I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. Hello and welcome back to the FT Arts Podcast. I'm Jan Daly and this week we'll be turning our attention to films and in particular to the awards season. With me in the studio are two of our writers, Nigel Andrews, our chief film critic, and Leah Robson. In this show, we'll be discussing the nominated and award-winning films and actors, their themes and concerns, and what makes an Oscar-winning film or performance. Let's start with the awards. Among the most talked-about films of the year are The King's Speech, 127 Hours, Black Swan, and The Social Network. Here's a clip from The King's Speech in which Colin Firth, as George V, is practising with his speech therapist, Lionel Logue, memorably played by Geoffrey Rush. There may be dark days ahead. And try again. There may be dark days ahead. And turn the hesitations into pauses and say to yourself, God save the king. I say that continuously. Apparently no one's listening. Long pauses are good. They add solemnity to great occasions. Well, I'm the solemnest king who ever lived. You know, if I'm a, a king, where's my power? Can I, can I form a government? Can I, can I levy a tax? Declare a, a war? No. And yet I'm the seat of all authority. Why? Because the nation believes that when I... I speak, I speak for them. Black can't speak. Well, there we heard perhaps rare example of royal wit. Um, the speech therapist says long pauses are good, they add solemnity. And Colin Firth as George V says, in that case, I'm the solemnest king who ever lived. Also one of the sort of saddest and most struggling kings possibly who ever lived, if we're to believe this film. The films that we've mentioned have sort of human endeavour at their heart, the royal speech impediment, ballet dancing, the creation of Facebook, and of course, the agony and struggle of 127 hours. Nigel, are these the concerns that you feel that make up their strongest elements, all these rather different films? Yes, uh, I mean, they're kind of aspirational films strewed with uh, dramatic and melodramatic adversity. I mean, people trying to uh, put on a, a an exciting ballet production in Black Swan, as you say, trying to found um, uh, Facebook in social network, trying to overcome a stammer, but with the vast acoustic that this is a king addressing a nation um, in a time of war. So, yes, I, I, I think they are all a struggle against the odds films. In a bizarre way, I, I find another uh, thing in common is that a lot of the best... Uh, best-nominated films and best-nominated directors are kind of the work of filmmakers who used to be what one would have called slightly left-field, slightly cutting-edge, slightly radical, and who've, in a way, gone Hollywood. I mean, in some ways, these are very old-fashioned movies, 
about people, uh, you know, the triumph of the spirit, the triumph of struggle against impossible odds. Uh, and yet names like Darren Aronofsky, Christopher Nolan, David O. Russell, when they started out, were kind of left field directors who one thought would have a promising career in the over slash underground, but not quite direct Hollywood blockbusters um, or, or Oscar contenders. Well, a lot of interesting points there. I mean, possibly this struggle against adversity, all we're doing is describing what drama consists of, all drama, all good drama. Leo, do you think one can, this kind of trend spotting, which is, of course, um, a national pastime in awards season, do you think it's a dangerous game? Do you think it actually means much to our appreciation of these films? It certainly doesn't mean anything to the appreciation of the films. I don't think it's a dangerous game. I think it's probably redundant, uh, with the greatest issue of it coming when you can say, oh, I was right, told you so. I don't really think there's much more to it than that. In terms of the films uh, this year nominated having in common this fact of struggle, I think that is... I, don't, I, think it's, I think it's almost sine qua non of any dramatic narrative. And if you think of the other left-field films made by Aronofsky or... David. In fact, all of the directors, uh, so Pi for Darren Aronofsky or I Heart Huckabee's David O. Russell, The Damned United, Tom Hooper, Seven or uh, The Game, David Fincher and Fargo for the Coen brothers, all of those films about someone trying to do something and something getting in the way. I mean, the, the definition of narrative is someone where someone tries to get something done and there are obstacles and they overcome the obstacles if it's an Oscar film and they may not overcome the obstacles if it isn't. Or in the case of Black Swan, doesn't quite overcome the obstacle, but dying is dying and not dying are both things that you can do and an Oscar for it, I think. It just <laughs> kind of depends on how you die. So if you die for a reason... Uh, as in Black Swan, and or if you die with Salvation, as in uh, Beautiful, uh, which is film with Javier Bardem, then then that's fine. I think if you die for for le- less glorious reasons, but and then The Departed, which which won three years ago, I think more or less everyone in the film dies, except for Mark Wahlberg, who hasn't been nominated this year for The Fighter, though everyone else in the film has been. Yes, uh, well, dying in other words, um, Nigel, you ticked me off for being cynical when we were (laughs) chatting a moment ago because I was putting forward the um, irreverent thought that there might be such a thing as a movie that has a kind of such a naked and obvious Oscar bid written all over it. And I do feel that both The King's Speech and Natalie Portman's performance in Black Swan come into this category, but I don't know. Do you think that's too cynical or do you think that filmmakers have that in mind when they no, devise I, things? No, I mean, famously, um, one of my former colleagues used to refer to it as the disability show. If there's, a, if there's a performance in a mainstream movie where someone has some kind of, kind of handicap or worse than handicap, and one thinks of Daniel Day-Lewis in My Left Foot or um, Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man, um, get them to overcome some sort of crucial deficiency in their sort of body or in their psychology, and you're halfway there. Uh, e- equally, Robert De Niro gaining uh, weight and uh, for um, Raging Bull, uh, any kind of physical hurdle that the actor, physical or mental or, or histrionic hurdle that is obvious and out there that the actor has to get through, um, I think hugely stacks the odds in favour of um, being at least nominated for an Oscar. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, <laughs> that anyone with, uh, the, you know, in, in, the, in a perfect world, no one would make films <laughs> about disabilities. I mean, they're part of the dramatic mix, so you're going to get any, just by the law of averages, any year anyway. 
Leo, how strong do you think the nominations are overall this year? I think it's a lively year, but I don't, I'm particularly not struck by any of the films. There are some which I think are, are dire, like such as Black Swan, which is kind of an appalling film, I think. And same with Beautiful as well, which hasn't been nominated for Best Picture, which is almost impossible if the film isn't in English. Um, because these are films which, not with a particular eye to uh, receiving awards or award nominations, but, but a similar kind of... Uh, seeking of effects from, from the audience ha- ratcheted up the atmosphere from the very first frame. There's, it's astonishing how little relief there is in Beautiful or Black Swan, and I think that people mistake being bludgeoned for being moved sometimes. I don't know whether I mean that 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 I don't want to dismiss everyone who likes Black Swan. It seems to include a, a rather uh, bewildering uh, number of people. I think in terms of um, what makes a performance, especially in the in the in the best in the leading roles categories is is a physical hurdle but it's also a kind of perceived acting hurdle of just being on screen for a lot of time and so classic example this year is natalie portman who there's nothing in that film to which she isn't privy or party i mean everything she either sees or happens directly to her james franco as well, except for a couple of flashbacks where he's played where the same actor, same character, sorry, uh, Aaron, is played by a young boy. And then last year, Carrie Mulligan, uh, who held the whole of an education, and then further back, people like Tom Hanks in Castaway. I think if you're if you're in the right kind of film for a, for a long enough time, then uh, then you get certainly get an Oscar nomination. I, I, th- I think also the strength of the. Um strength in perhaps a slightly obvious ostentatious way of the performances that have been nominated for Oscars is that it does go back to this um, idea that the films are in many ways kind of Hollywood Hollywoodishly old-fashioned we've got the Coen brothers remaking True Grit although they deny it's a remake they say it's a uh, a film of the book, just as um, Rowan Joffe, who made Brighton Rock, says it said it wasn't <laughs> a refilming of the film; it was a film of the book, and then and then used used a crucial twist at the end of the story, which came from the film rather than the book, the earlier film. But anyway, be that as it may, what you have got is films like uh, The Fighter, which is an old-fashioned boxing biopic, Black Swan, which is the Red Shoes with extra Sturm and Drang, um, the True which, Grit, which, True you Grit, which also is a remake. Disliked, didn't you? I mean, you, uh, which I also yeah, disliked, yeah. indeed. Yes, uh, and even Inception, which, as I say, is directed by a, a man who started off um, filming quasi underground movies in Britain, and it takes a very interesting and you would think potentially very radical uh, theme of getting into people's dreams and manipulating them has ended up slightly like a gigantic James Bond blockbuster with uh, paranormal events going on in it. But but the sum of what I mean about these old-fashioned films is that they, they do allow for hefty, even sometimes hammy performances. Um, and in The Fighter, for instance, um, you've got, although you've got a slightly dead centre in Mark Wahlberg playing the title role, it is absolutely rife with Oscar-nominated supporting roles, Christian Bale, Melissa Leo and Amy Adams. And I think that's the virtue of, of Hollywood movies in the old-fashioned sense, that they get people coming forward and giving their histrionic best in some ways in 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 very impressive and uh, attention grabbing ways anything unfairly overlooked is there anything you'd put on the list leah well there are i there are a number of films which i suppose i would admire from the last year but but you wouldn't really talk about it's being overlooked in the same way as you would with a prize say maybe at a film festival or an equivalent of a literary prize where there's a specially plucked jury and i mean in those cases people have their 
priorities and their their cronies and so forth. So it has its own difficulties. But you'd feel if if a film, you know, uh, that you admired a great deal hadn't been chosen by people who had themselves been chosen for their uh, gifts of appreciation, then you would. But I think it would be silly to single out. Oh, I like this. I like that. And the Oscar voters didn't go for it because it's because it comes down to the film as well. I mean, the the people who have made the film and distributed distributed it kind of decide what they're going to put their heft behind. So I don't think there's anything that's been overlooked, but the new expanded category of Best Picture, which allows now for ten chosen films, has allowed Winter's Bone, which is an extremely uh, small film uh, about people who are extraordinarily impoverished, uh, even by the standards of independent American cinema. I've never really seen anything like it, and that seems kind of rare. I mean, overcoming the odds is something that happens in Oscar films, but you kind of the odds may be really stacked against you, but material circumstances are rather narrow, I think. So I think that, I mean, so, you know, in the social network, Mark Zuckerberg overcomes the odds, but he does it from Harvard and then from a nice rented house in Palo Alto, California, whereas whereas Winter's Bone really, I thought, really puts you in the midst of a, uh, of a really alien and strange, strange and very un-Oscar-y kind of scenario. So I think I'd single that in, really, as something that's been... Um, quick predictions. Nigel, best picture... Well, the weight of opinion um, seems to be behind the social network, but I don't like it as much as some other people do. Um, It seems like, in a way, a kind of uh, very intelligently scripted giant miniseries turned into a feature film. True life, true truth-based miniseries from TV turned into a feature film. Um, But I guess that will... Either that or The King's Speech will win Best Picture, and... um, there are no prizes for uh, guessing that Colin Firth will win Best Actor, I wouldn't have thought. That seems likely. What do you think? Yeah. Any chance of well, that the, being um, overturned? Yeah, but the the voting in the categories works slightly differently, I think, because I think now with the ten-film category, it works the same way as voting for the la- leader of the Labour Party, which is that you vote, you give a one to ten, I think it is, and so... Oh, so the one, the so one that gets on. the most fives wins. Yeah, so, yeah, so you, you could end up with, with an Ed Miliband kind of situation. That's, that's how the Hurt Locker won. So people who are clever about statistics said the Hurt Locker's going to win, like Hendrik Hertzberg in The New Yorker, who doesn't know about films but knows about voting, explained that the Hurt Locker was going to win and why. And so that was because a lot of people wouldn't like Avatar, so ordinarily it would mean that the film that came second would have a lot of votes, whereas now it matters. I don't, so I don't know. I mean, I'd much prefer the social network to win. I think that The King's Speech could have been a mini-series that's been boiled down, although I think Tom Hooper is, in a rather conventional sense, a tremendously gifted director, the director of The King's Speech. I think that the social network and its interaction, especially between um, Eduardo Saverin, played by the uh, Andrew Garfield and, and the Zuckerberg character, played by Jesse Eisenberg, uh, is is done with a great deal more power of subtlety and detail than the relationship between Lionel Logue and and Bertie King George in in Tom Hooper's film. So I I I definitely prefer the, uh, the Social Network to win, and I think it's it would be a kind of surprising winner if you looked at it from last July because it's a film made by a, a not edgy but a very always very sinister director David David Fincher. I think he always. He always. I mean, if it had been a miniseries, it would have been an. Ex, it would have been atmospherically a, quite a quite a troubling one. I think Finch is terrific, and I think it's the best thing he's done. So I'd like that to win. Um, yes, taking up from the the theme of um, truth based feature films, um, the Social Network, The King's Speech, uh, 127 Hours, um, the um, 
uh, Danny Boyle film about the uh, poor guy in the Utah mountains cutting off his own arm. Um, <laughs> there does seem a remarkable preponderance of movies based on actual events. And, and at the other end of the spectrum, or rather crawling along the spectrum almost to meet in the middle, I would like to uh, pick up this theme that seems to to me to have been a big one this year, of what one might call the antic documentary, the documentary where one says, is it a documentary? Um, one of these is nominated in the documentary Oscar category, which is the Banksy film, Exit from the Gift Shop. Another film I'd, I love was Catfish, which has a Facebook connection, which is about a, um, a I think he's a photojournalist in New York, be- suddenly besieged by kind of fat, quasi-fan mail from a supposedly many-membered family saying how um, wonderful you are and, um, in one case, submitting the daughter's paintings to him. And this becomes very weird, and suspicions start to hatch in the uh, mind of the recipient, and eventually he and his flatmates go out and investigate uh, is this family for real and discover quite Hitchcockian secrets. So, in a sense, it's a, a documentary, but it's a documentary about true life things that turn out not to be true, <laughs> and and you're led through this maze of understanding. Where is it going? What is happening? Is it real, even on the surface, let alone by the time they burrowed to this sort of uh, place out in the sticks away from New York? So I, I think there there is this kind of, is it a documentary category, which should be pushed into the Oscars, F- halfway between feature films. Uh, f- ficumentary, ficumentary <laughs> movies. Um, because uh, why not let's uh, have some new genres invented and let's have the Academy uh, recognise them as such. It's a great idea. Any other new genres? <laughs> no, but I think... I don't know what the situation with Catfish was, whether it wasn't eligible for this year or considered documentary, whatever, but I think it's terrific. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's just about... I think it was just about the most interesting film um, of the last year and, and, and much more than the social network engages with its subject of new social media... It, Etc. Technologies as well uh, to to portray its subject. So if we are being lied to, then we're being lied to in very much the same way that the character is being lied to by having things right before our eyes that look like the truth and might smell a bit like the truth, not being the truth. Yeah. So I think that I think that would have been worth a category of its own just for the year. But um, as for other categories, the best film category sort of opens itself up a bit now. So you have Toy Story three nominated. So the um, the animation category, which also exists, doesn't it? You do yes, it does. <laughs> m- mind you, I, I do think the 10-film Best Picture category is a bit of a blur. I, I, I mean, there are arguments both ways. And, and yes, a few kind of um, low-budget, more independent-type movies have crept in, which wouldn't have got into the Best Picture category otherwise. But it does become something you can't carry around in your head. Always five nominations you could just about get a handle on and could just about see a shape to in terms of what they represented, at least in terms of what Hollywood thought was quality for the year. And now you've got this list of ten and you think, I can't remember them, you know. It's no longer a, it's no longer a headline announcement. It's kind of a um, let's play safe and um, not offend anyone and um, put them all in. Well, perhaps the voting system that Leo referred to has got something to do with it. Perhaps they thought that it is the only way to get some surprises. That but it you was, can do that with five. I mean, mm. there were five candidates mm. for the Labour leadership. I, I disagree on that point because I think that although ten is too many and then it makes trend spotting rather more arbitrary and so forth, I think that uh, there's something strange about the Oscars coming. They co- you know, the 2010 Oscars, as it were, happens in February, March 2011. And so 
in distinction from a uh, from a literary prize where someone wins the award and then the book becomes a hit, I mean, Toy Story 3, Inception, Black Swan, King's Speech, or King's Speech is slightly more problematic because it's more more recent, but I mean, those films have had their success, whereas a larger category which does allow for for, for a new kind of film like Winter's Bone will now enable an afterlife, potentially a re-release or a DVD existence for a film. So it is a posterity award. I mean, it's the first step uh, towards a, a long-lasting reputation for a film. It won Best Picture in 1978, Nine, The Deer Hunter, etc. Uh, and I think that that uh, a way of sort of spreading success a bit more uh, without necessarily diluting it is 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 a healthy thing, and and I'm sorry that, that that Nigel nor I are able to keep them in our heads all the time, but maybe that's that imposition is worth it for a, a new film to get out there. Well, I think that's all we have time for. Thank you very much to my studio guests Nigel Andrews and Leo Robson, and to you for listening. The Arts Podcast was produced by Griselda Murray Brown. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.